Welcome to Giving Head, the podcast. Wondering what head stands for? What H is for happiness, E for empowerment, and D for development. This is the podcast that will discuss topics from the 40-year-old perspective. This is where we will help to navigate you through this new chapter of your life. I'm your host, Sherry, and my co-host is named Kim. To join this community, push the subscribe button to get all the latest head episodes. And to help our head message grow, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment as well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Giving Head. H-E-D. Now let's get into it. Welcome back, Head Tribe. With continuing our series on couples for the love month of February, we have Mr. Simon and Chrysia Eustacean. Chrysia was born and raised in Bermuda and is my cousin. <laughs> she lived in Bermuda until the age of 16, since which she has lived and studied and worked in seven other countries, including Barbados, Israel, Spain, and Turkey. Now, Simon's from a small town near the city of Erebus, Denmark. While in university, he studied philosophy, but he took a pause from his studies for a minute and hopped on a bicycle to see the world. He spent a year of cycling across Europe through Turkey, Israel, and Georgia, the country, not the state, meeting new people and experiencing different cultures from the one he has grown up in. Now, Christina and Simon met in Istanbul, Turkey, and were married less than a year later. In 2009, they moved to Denmark and have two sons, Leo, age nine, Marcus, age five. Now, Simon went back to university and has added a master's in English to his bachelor's in philosophy. Christina has been teaching English to adults for the past 16 years and now runs Lightning English, her online teaching business. Their marriage is a true blending of differences. Their cultures, racial backgrounds, religious backgrounds, languages, parenting styles, and even their physical appearances, which we dive all into in this episode. Despite their opposites, their marriage merges through this bond that they have created and maintained a fortress of well-being that supports the, and nurtures the spiritual emotional, intellectual, and social growth together and as individuals. Now, they owe a large portion of the success and smooth going in their marriage to the questions. Now, there was a list of questions that Chrysia's parents gave them to answer before they gave consent to their marriage. And again, we dive into all of this in the episode. So tune in and listen. And also, if you're interested in the questions, we have an edited version of them that we can provide for you. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Well, welcome to Giving Head the Podcast. This is February, our love month, and we have the beautiful couple, Mr. and Mrs. I say Simon, but I know in Denmark is Simone. Did I say yeah, it right? Yeah. yeah. It, it used to a little French, French. Ending there, but it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Simon is fine. Yeah, Simon is fine. <laughs> and we are here, like I said, with Love Month, and we are highlighting couples who have been married to tell us all about marriage the good, the bad, and the ugly. I call it the GBUs, but it may not be no ugly, it might be all good, it could be a little bit of bad or nothing at all. So, this is episode is all about encouraging 
as much positivity in marriage as we see now. So welcome, Chrissia and Simon. Hello, Sherry. Hi, Kim. Nice to be here. And nice. Welcome. And they are podcasting all the way from Denmark, Ederus. Do I get it right? It doesn't matter. We live in Denmark. It's all, that's enough. <laughs> We're in Denmark. And it's, the of- it's about four or five hours from Copenhagen, which is probably what people know most, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. That's right. So tell us a little about yourself. Where were you guys both born? Where did you grow up? And, and how was your childhood? Well, I am from Bermuda. I was born and raised in Bermuda, and I know Sherry very well. <laughs> we were <laughs> raised together. And yeah, I went to Gilbert Institute for primary school and work academy after that. After which I left the island and I started traveling. I started my journeys, I guess. I was in Turkey, Barbados, Trinidad, Canada, Israel, Spain, and back to Turkey. And now Denmark. So, yeah, I've been a little bit of everywhere. <laughs> You've gotten a chance to travel most places yeah. that people have never been. Yeah, I took the chance to travel. I think it wasn't just like I didn't wait for it. I just said, OK, I'm out and off I went. So, exactly. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what about the context of marriage? No, not yet. Not just, oh, my upbringing. Yeah, okay, that's, that's right. About. Doesn't matter your adult life. <laughs> no, you're right. Okay, so I was raised by a married couple. My parents are married. They're still married. They have their, their 50th anniversary on the 27th of February. I was raised in a two-parent household. My father's from Barbados, and I think our household was much more strict than everyone else I know. And so there were... <laughs> Simon's laughing, but we'll we'll get to you. (laughs) So I think regarding marriage anyway, you know, I had this view of people being together for life when they got married. And that's something that I wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mr. Simon. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. Well, I'll save you uh, the list of my schools and such because, yeah, it's uh, a... It's uh, quite a ways away, but uh, yeah, I grew up in a small town. Uh, well, town is maybe an overstatement. A village, uh, 12 houses and a church uh, and an old abandoned school. So a very small place, a uh, very close-knit community, of course, uh, as a function of that. Well, I would say that uh, I grew up in a household that was very uh, different from the one Chrissy just described, insofar as uh, my parents did not marry until age 50 three, four, something like that, uh, how after having you? produced and raised uh, three children. So I have two siblings as well. And I'm the oldest one. And I guess that's also important for me in terms of everything that has to do with marriage and relationships also, I think, that my parents came out of the, you could say, the kind of counterculture uh, wave in Denmark. So in the late 60s, early 70s, mostly 70s for them. But for example, my mom was a, uh, she uh, took an apprenticeship as a carpenter and uh, my parents met in a kind of socialist uh, school basically or uh, educational program uh, that was all about basically uh, changing the world through revolution so traveling all over spreading the, the ideas of uh, yeah, socialism and, and welfare and so on so I think that for them uh, I mean they were together and they had kids but it was a household where there wasn't much expression of emotion and, and feeling and so I think that's something that has, has marked me uh, something that I have, have had to learn to do so that has been yeah a major challenge for me in my life, I think. But at least now I, I seem to have gotten some practice and uh, <laughs> that we're doing some things right in terms of yeah, expressing our uh, devotion and 
are care for each other in this relationship here. So that's great. Yeah, Yeah, but it's mostly about where I grew up, our background. Okay, so yeah, and I studied <laughs> philosophy in university here, and then I actually took a break and I traveled uh, on my bike. That's a push bike for Bermudians. Yes. <laughs> And uh, it took me to uh, the Middle East, also to Istanbul. But I think we're getting ahead of our, ourselves a little bit with the questions here. But that's where I met Christia. We can just maybe <laughs> tease people a little bit. They were very uh, wonderful love story to tell. So do uh, keep on uh, listening. <laughs> I just want to jump back okay. just a little bit, some, um, Simon. How old were you when your parents did get married? You say that they were 53 oh. or 54, but how old were you? Yeah, so I would have been... Oh. 18, 17, 18, 19, wow. maybe, yeah. It was purely, you know, a formality, basically, because of, you know, inheritance and in case someone, you know, were to kick the bucket. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was no, you know, it was just, you know, a kind of civil ceremony at the, the city hall and, yeah. And that's why I was going to ask, is that the norm for a Danish culture to marry so late or to marry at all? No, I think it's common that people marry and uh, I guess people are, Late 20s, early 30s, that's more common than uh, early 20s for sure. And I think also, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely socially acceptable to just, you know, uh, live in a relationship and have kids. And that's beyond questioning that that is 100% acceptable and also very common. Yeah, Um, I see that so much more here than anywhere else I've ever lived. That, you know, people get together, they decide to have kids together and marriage maybe happens later. Maybe not. But not not the primary focus on it. No. no. So it's strange because Bermudians are kind of the same way, right? A lot of times people get together at a very young age and they tend to stay together for a while, have kids and everything. But I still feel like it's a difference in the cultures per se. Definitely. I think um, Bermudians still are longing to be married with this person that they've been with a long time. And it sounds like there's just, it's contentment in Denmark with what the situation is of being together and having kids. Would you agree? Mm, I haven't looked up the numbers. I'm sorry, uh, but you can maybe (laughs) do that to add it to the podcast later. I don't know. (laughs) But I know that the divorce rate is high also uh, just in the 40s. I think Uh, it it came to 50 at one point, uh, not so many years, 50%, right? Uh, Not so many years ago, but yeah, I don't know. So, well, as I said, I was I basically took a break from university. Uh, we're super pri- privileged in Denmark. We basically, I mean, education is free. So basically, you can become a doctor, right? Wow. <laughs> a university doctor. Yeah, uh, all the way up to your doctorate. Without paying a, a single uh, cent, uh, no other than your taxes, of course, right? Yeah, there's no, no tuition, tuition, there's no nothing. Uh, you even get a state allowance, state allowance uh, while you study. So uh, living in the wrong country. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, just to tell people that they have the opportunity, I think studying in Denmark would be a great experience just to try something uh, slightly different. My teenager out there. Uh, not the, Yeah, I took a break and because uh, I was kind of stuck, like mentally, I, I needed to, just a change of scenery and there were some things I just needed to deal with and explore. And yeah, so I basically saved up some money and then I bought a bike. Oh, well, my parents kind of sp- co-sponsored a bike and some things. And then I left uh, Denmark in the some summer. Some things, of, wait, wait, because people don't really no, ha- truly maybe, understand. I mean, we, we can share a picture of it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it, it was basically me and a, a friend that uh, it was a, a new friend uh, that I had just come across in my search for, yeah, my travels here. Yeah, he was a young guy, a little younger than me. And we set out together. 
in the summer of 2008. So let's not make it about the cycle journey, but we traveled and we had everything we needed in our bags, um, on our bikes. So including a tent and a cooker and, you know, wow. spare parts and a lot of things that we didn't really need, but we thought we needed them. So we went along and, uh, yeah, we had great, uh, great times. And uh, we also, there was also a bit of a conflict and so on. When you're close together, uh, traveling through uh, foreign lands, you get pushed a couple of times. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> one point we split up. So I arrived in Istanbul in early December, late November, I think. And then, uh, yeah, I, I spent uh, one or two nights. Uh, yeah, well, it's like a weekend. We were sitting in an apartment and my travel friend from Denmark had joined me in Istanbul, living with a Swiss guy. And uh, we were having some fun, but it was a little too much uh, just hanging out, <laughs> playing games. So we decided to go out and uh, couch surfing, which is a great uh, invention, basically. A homepage bringing people together through accommodation and all kinds of social activities, depending on the size of the community. In Istanbul, there are thousands of people at the time. So we looked through the page and we saw that there was a movie night in a cafe in a nice fancy area of the Istanbul. Let me jump in all and right. tell you what I was doing at this time, because... <laughs> My life was very different. I was teaching English in Istanbul and I had just gotten rid of some roommates, like a string of interesting roommates. Uh -huh. And I was on couch surfing and I was hosting people. I had a three bedroom apartment and it was just me living there. And my nice roommate had left. <laughs> she had gone to Vietnam. So I was living alone for the first time since I got my apartment. And so I was on couch surfing and going to different couch surfing events. And I also had my apartment listed as, you know, people could come and stay. People who were traveling could come and stay. Couch surf or, <laughs> yeah, but right. obviously they would get a bedroom because I had extra. But at this point, because I didn't have any roommates, I had said no to everybody. There was an emergency couch list and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I need some space to breathe. But of course I was all by myself. So I looked and there was a movie night at this cafe and I thought, <laughs> oh, well, let me go to that. I had been going to some couch surfing events up until then. And there was actually a guy who was going to a lot of the events who, a Turkish guy who I was kind of interested in. <laughs> and um, so I said, okay, well, he had mentioned, like, I saw the list of who was saying they was coming and he said he was going. I was like, all right. So I baked a nice batch of cookies <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, they're really good cookies. And I baked a batch of cookies and I said, all right, I'm going to share these with everybody who's there. But, you know, I had a someone special in mind. So off I went to the movie night. And then, yeah, so <laughs> actually, when I got there, I didn't serve the cookies right away. But there was a guy who was there like from the very beginning. And he was like, hey, you know, are you a host? Do you have a place here in Istanbul? And I was like, yes. And he's like, oh, me and my friend are traveling by bike and we need a place to stay. Do you have a, a room for us? And I was like, uh, no, actually, I'm not really taking any. I'm not really hosting anyone right now. And he was like, oh, please, you know, it's really hard to get a place right now. It was three days before Christmas. It's really oh, like wow. no room in the inn. People had family staying with them or they were going home for Christmas, so they weren't there. Well, not, Christmas. not for Christmas, but they had Byron. Their, oh, That's right. It was Religious the Muslim holiday. Eid, you know, Bayram, the Muslim holiday had fallen at the same time as Christmas. So oh, everyone okay. was going home. Nobody had a place available for these guys. So I said to this guy, and by the way, it wasn't Simon. This was the guy he was traveling with. And so mm. I said to him, look, you can ask around. And if there's anyone who has a place, 
take it. If you don't find anything at all, then you can stay at my place until you find something. (laughs) And I watched him go off and start asking everyone. So that was that. So you two is connected now. Let's fast forward to yeah, fast forward when you realize that you know obviously this is a gentleman that's rode a push bike, push pedal. If anybody understands, like is no motor, he is the motor from <laughs> from it's Denmark. A bicycle, yeah, he a bicycle from Denmark <laughs> to Turkey. How far is that? Well, we rode just about five thousand kilometers to get to Istanbul. So that's like three thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Okay. So a few well, days. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could fast forward through, but basically that that night uh, is what we should talk about first, I think, when we fell in love. So basically I I noticed Chrissy the first time uh, because of the cookies. I was munching munching on the cookies and they were so good. So I whipped out my recorder and then I went to find the one who was uh, behind this uh, masterpiece of, uh, yeah, tweets. So, yeah. To have our first conversation on tape. Uh, anyways, oh, wow. so we talked a little bit. You know, I interviewed her, and it was great. And you know, I gave him my recipe. Yeah, very nice. Uh, thanks. Um, and then, wink. Yeah, and then wink, we, were, we were getting ready for the. Well, we played a game like with some other people. It was fun, and then we were, we were getting ready for the second movie of the night. And uh, yeah, uh, and Christina uh, hurried and, and uh, approached the guy she was, you know, she was going for. And, the one who I made the yeah, cookies yeah, yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I was watching Christina and I was like, all right, interesting, you know. Right. And then she, uh, yeah, she actually offered him a massage. And then oh, he was oh. Like, oh, he wasn't really feeling Look, just the sh- Look I see your face. Just the shoulder massage. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're going yeah. right for it. Like, you know, cookies and massage. In okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, well, the guy declined. I just took the chance. I said, well, oh, boy, all well, that cycling is... Uh, <clears throat> I'm feeling a bit tight. Hell yeah. Uh, I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so you did make a batch of cookies for a significant person, just not mm-hmm. the one that you had thought. You know, but, yeah. I but, knew what I was looking for at that point in my life. And uh-huh. I got to mention, because at that point, I was 35. Okay. And I knew what I wanted from a relationship. I knew I wanted to be in a stable relationship. I wanted a family, but you know, I was 35. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, I had almost given up on the idea of having children because I was like, when would that happen? You know, that would have to happen right now. And that's not happening. Right. So that point I hadn't been in a relationship that lasted more than three months in my life. Mm. Okay. And so this not, goes out to all of you who are still searching. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was bad at relationships. It's because I had a list of things that I wanted. I knew what I wanted from a relationship. And I knew mm-hmm. what I wanted in a partner. And I hadn't found it. And I wasn't going to settle. So I had finally come to the point where I was comfortable where I was. I was comfortable being with myself. And it was like, whatever. So... <laughs> Was that, did all of those traits resonate in Simon when you met him or did after a while, it take a little while for you to, to cultivate this relationship? Cause it sounds like it was quick. There was definitely a connection from okay. the moment we met. Yeah, for sure. So we spent a wonderful evening. Basically there was like a beanbag. It was a beanbag. No, no, but I mean, it was like a, yeah, a little a terrace little, and it yeah, was yeah. Uh, port. And the rain was, was, you know, falling on the roof. (laughs) And there we were. A romantic evening, it sounds like. We were holding hands. We were, we kissed. But it was decent, right? And it was wonderful. It was really just that feeling of, you know, having found this other soul that was just, wow. 
Aww. It seemed perfect. Uh, but, I mean, there were all kinds of complications. Uh, complications. <laughs> I was a traveling man, right? In his not, not, a, not a sailor, though, but uh, there was a, a young lady who uh, had uh, fallen with fall in love earlier. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was traveling. I moved on. and But, she, yeah, she wanted to come visit me. So before going to this movie night a couple of days before, you know, she had said, you know, I'm coming. So there I was. Uh, <laughs> what? Part and, and enjoying, you know, the perfect moment of my life at the same time. Yeah. Talk so, about. So did the, she yeah. get some cookies, too? Uh, well, yes, wait, so, okay, well, we got to make it fast. Yeah, so we got to, yeah. The, the point was that, you know, so we ended up at Christia's place, you know, because we were looking for a place actively, as you said. But so she, we ended up going to Christia's place. But I, I said yes to them staying before I realized that it was even Simon, because I didn't put the connection between gotcha. the guy who had approached me and this other guy who I had met who asked for this massage. I hadn't put that together yet. And they weren't okay. like hanging out together. They had been tired of each other's company, I guess, by then. And we're just mingling. There were like 50, 60 people there. So it wasn't like, oh, he's coming to stay at my house. It was more like, oh, okay, this is, you know, a, like I was really surprised. Like, oh, this is your traveling buddy. Yeah. I don't think we have time to go into yeah. all the details. Yeah. But the main point <laughs> that the, the road to uh, unity was very uh, complex, <laughs> full of bumps and uphill sections and also fast downhill sections. Because yeah. <laughs> basically this other woman came along and she was there and, you know, she came to be with me. I wasn't really interested in, in being with oh. her. So I had to somehow, you know, deal with that. And that was not very uh, beautiful or whatever. It was painful for her and for me and for people around us. But eventually she decided to go home, <laughs> leave Istanbul. And then after that, Chrissy and I had a chance to connect. And that's when things really started happening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically, I think we fell in love. Yeah, we did. Like, if we weren't already in love. Yeah, like I knew I loved him, like from the beginning. Like I knew that I would be connected with him for the rest of my life. I didn't know how or what that connection mm. would be. And the way it looked to me, because I was 35 living in Turkey, teaching English, settled. I had my apartment. I had a good job. I was good. And he was 26, 25, 26, yeah. 25 on a bike, traveling, you know, trying to figure out the world. He had paused his time in university. So we were in very different places. So it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, this is the person I'm going to spend my life with. But I remember having a conversation with a friend saying, he may not be the one for me because of our situation, but now I know that what I want exists. What I'm looking for is out there. And if I can find it, I can find it again. So, with someone who's Miss, ready. You can, call, you can call me the prototype. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, so we spent some time, and it was just nice. We were just relaxing, and uh, I read some of uh, Chrissy's books. So she's Baha'i. Um, there was a, a small uh, book. It's called uh, Seven Valleys. So I was very interested in that, basically, a description of the journey of life, uh, both yes. uh, on this earth, but also spiritually. Yeah, very uh, mystical yeah, kind of. Very, uh, yeah. it, it was very uh, gripping to read. And then... Um, I was reading through that a couple of days, and then uh, on the third day or oh, but second wait, day, because people don't know that this is actually in June, or yeah, no, it's not in June. You read the Seven Valleys back then. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, he left. Yeah. He left Istanbul. I said I was going to ask, like, you know, right. how long did he stay in Turkey, and before, well, he, he, or did he decide after, to? Yeah, after that, he was there for two more weeks, and then okay. they 
continued on their journey, headed to India. She threw us out. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, okay. She threw so, water <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to. <laughs> anyway, so they went off on their journey, and I really thought I would never see him again. I was like, wow, okay. that was really nice. That was beautiful. I felt really, like, excited that what I wanted was something real. Like, I wasn't okay. just imagining this kind of Tangible. person. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was really nice. But, of course, it was hard to say goodbye. But let's fast forward now to June. Okay. He comes back to Istanbul. I'm on my way back to Denmark. And on my way back, I contacted Christina. said, I'm coming through Istanbul. Could I come and see you? Now, my situation now was very different. My parents were visiting Istanbul. So that's two people, one bedroom. My old roommate had come back from Vietnam. That's the other bedroom. I don't have any bedrooms to give away. I said, okay, you can couch surf. You can come and stay on the couch, but I'm not going to have any time to spend with you. So my thought, because I didn't want to have to say goodbye to him again. So my thought was that he would say, okay, too many people, too much trouble. I'll find somewhere else. Your parents are there. (laughs) My parents are there. Yeah, it's just a lot, right? I didn't see the red flag. Totally missed it. (laughs) He said, okay, I'll see you when I get (laughs) I'm on the couch. I'm there. Yeah. And that was interesting. So he came and we spent very little time together then because I was spending a lot of time with my parents and Simon was just reading and he had an injury. So the doctor said he couldn't ride. So he was stuck on my couch, literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. Then my parents left. It was on the Sunday. This is how we got to get so detailed because we're talking days here. Oh, well. My parents left on a Sunday and Sunday night we had a long talk and I had been on Baha'i pilgrimage with my family, with my parents, and I had prayed at the Baha'i shrines and I said, God, you know what I want, you know what's in my heart, you know what is best for me. And I said, I know what I want and I wanted marriage and a relationship, but I didn't want that if that's not what God wanted for me. So Mm. I said, please, please, if it's to happen, I want to know Yes or no, one way or the other. I don't want any drama. I want it simple and I want it obvious. I don't want to have to figure anything out because I'm not the figure it out kind of person when it comes to relationships. Right. And I prayed and I left it there. And so I came back and I saw him. And that night that my parents left, we had a conversation and it was very clear. We felt very deeply about each other, but that wasn't going to happen. Like we were in different places. And it was clear and it was no drama. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, we're not going to be together. And that was Sunday. And then Thursday, I had a feeling that he was getting ready to leave. So I got up early and I made some muffins, some special muffins. And I put some something special inside, a little surprise, a little bit of coconut. <laughs> All special, right? And so oh, I'm making muffins thinking that he's going to leave. He's gonna. I feel like he's going to come and tell me that he's leaving. And so I just wanted to make it special. And I so he comes and says, good morning. I said, good morning. I made you some breakfast and there's a surprise inside. And he says, yeah, well, I just woken up from a dream. So I've been reading these spiritual books and I have this dream that all I just need to do is to live with Chrissy for the rest of my life. So I basically decided to just let her know. So, yeah, I said, I have a surprise for you, too. And although the coconut was hard to beat, I uh, I think I did that. Uh, so I told her I would like to spend the rest of my life with you. Aww. Almost dropped the ball. Yeah. But it was so easy and so natural. And it was what I wanted. Right. Like, I didn't think about the 
technical details, where would we live, what would we do, how would this work? I just knew that this was the person I wanted to be with and there was no, you know, I would make it work. We would make it work. So you guys are joined together in the sense of that you found yourself and we'll just, like I say, move ahead and say that you moved, you decided to move to Denmark and um, you decided to marry. And then this then leads to the question that Kim asked. I think, sorry, I hate to drag this on, but there's something that happened in between then because I'm a Baha'i and for Baha'i marriage, you have to get the consent of all four parents, of all living parents of the couple. Mm-hmm. Okay, So remember, his parents had only just gotten married <laughs> like a few years before. Atheist. Atheist anti- couple. Strictly anti-religious. Uh, oh, like, wow. Religion had no space in my upbringing whatsoever. <laughs> and... I'm on the other side, just come from pilgrimage. My parents are Baha'is and very strongly so. <laughs> and I'm also a Baha'i. Like, this is something that was important to me as well. And so we had to ask for consent from our parents. And his parents were very easy, I think. They were just well, like... Yeah. First, you had to basically break the or <laughs> drop the bomb, right? That you, you needed me to marry you. Like we had to marry, you couldn't just live with me. Yeah, I had to tell him. Yeah. Actually, it was the same day, the same evening. I had to tell him, you know what? Maybe this isn't going to work. I want to spend the rest of my life with you too. But what does that mean for you? Because for me, it means I have to be married and mm-hmm. you don't believe in marriage. Like, and right. the, the Baha'i marriage vow is we will all verily abide by the will of God. And if you're an atheist, that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. So we had a long talk. Mm. And he very quickly put me in my place. <laughs> he said, well, you know, so to speak, okay. by saying, you know, wait a minute, you can't tell me what I believe or not. Because he had been doing some spiritual soul searching. And he said, I believe. No, you tell him. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think my first thought that well, if that is what it takes, then of course I'll marry you because I just had this deep uh, spiritual, yeah, revelation or sight that you know this is just what needs to happen, and so if it means marrying you, then that's part of the package. That's I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a fairly easy decision on my side, at least. Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, again, we come from very different backgrounds, and I think this is really where it plays out, and that takes us to the whole uh, consent story, basically. Yeah, so we call uh, call her parents. Oh, did we call my parents first? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyways, we call my parents first, and they're in the holiday. They're on holiday, uh, and it's it's very brief. And we say, "Oh, we have plans of getting married. How does that sound? Would you consent to that?" My mom's like, "Yeah, great." And my father's, "Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Whatever you know, whatever makes you happy is great." It's very much their take on it, right? All they wanted to know is how old is Chrysia. And Chrysia was starting <laughs> to get really nervous, right? Sweating. She's like ten years older than me, almost nine. Uh, so that was, of course, an issue, right? But for my mom, it's actually a good thing that Chrissy was older because then, you know, she would have more life experience. Uh, oh, so that was, okay. uh, she gave the right answer, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after we call up Chrissy's parents and... Uh, they had just left four days before. And they're like, why didn't you, you know, say this before? So, we, so it felt like, you know, we were keeping something from them so that they wouldn't get a chance. And yeah, anyway, long story short, they sent us a list of questions to answer. So they didn't give us consent. They didn't just say yes. On the phone. Yeah. Right? They said, <laughs> or on Skype. Yeah. They were like, we're going to send you some questions. And it's like, okay. And we wait and we wait. And like two days, three days. I'm like, where's these questions? About four or five days later, Simon calls me at work. Oh, we got an email from your parents. And I come home 
And there's a list of 32, 31 questions. 31 questions. questions. Like essay questions. They're not like yes, no questions. They're like essay questions. I'll give you the first one. Simon, they were different. Like we didn't have the same. There were some that were overlapping, but mm -hmm. uh, Simon, do you in your heart believe that there's an intelligence to whom we refer to as God? So welcome question to one. The, question one. Welcome to the game. <laughs> yeah. But let's fast forward because I was really angry and upset that like I felt like they were trying to sabotage. Like I finally found the person I wanted to be with. But I very quickly in these conversations over the next three weeks, these are basically all we talked about, these questions. Mm. And they opened us up like we didn't really know each other at that point. And they were questions about our backgrounds, about what we do when we get angry, about how we handle conflict, about our history, about how to support your family. If you, how to, yeah. if you want kids. Do you want kids or not? Like, oh. this is something I wouldn't have asked right away. You know, he's 25. <laughs> you know, so, but it was like really deep questions. So in that next three weeks, thanks to my parents, we were able to investigate each other very, very deeply. And we were able to kind of set up the foundation of what we wanted our marriage to be through answering these questions and taking them further. Like, oh, but what if we played around with it for a bit and kind of imagined what our life could be like and what our roles in the marriage would be and like how we would treat each other if one person's angry. Like I could mm -hmm. say, okay, because we hadn't gotten angry at each other yet. We hadn't had a fight. Right. Because we're still sharing cookies and massages. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it was really interesting because we didn't have like the typical relationship and then get married. We decided that we wanted to be together and then figured out what we had to do to make it happen. Yeah. But yeah. I think in terms of the bringing two cultures together yeah. and this whole marriage business that your podcast <laughs> is also interesting, right? I think here's really something to think about as parents, maybe. Or, you know, for people that you know who are thinking about getting married, I highly suggest that you share some of these questions and we'll be happy to share them with you or, you know, come up with your own. But those deep questions that take years to come across in, you know, your lived life, uh, mm -hmm. this will take, you know, 10 years to, to come, you know, to move through all these questions. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, the answers have been adjusted and adapted and so on, but it still just it opens the you know the doors to all these secret uh, compartments of your soul and your life your own history your uh, subconscious even you know this mm -hmm. just just you know sharing uh, deep ideas about who you are and how you think about yourself as well yeah, with someone else is just i mean that is one of the, the best gifts that anyone could ever give you i think yeah. um, and also what your spiritual values are i mean we came from very different spiritual backgrounds mm -hmm. but in answering these questions about the nobility of humankind and the equality of men and women and all of these things, we had to really look into our souls and see where we were and not just look into ourselves, but say to each other, you right. know, because I wasn't going to write it to my parents and not talk to my husband. You know? so, yeah. So it turned out that what I had initially thought was like a really intrusive thing turned out to be the most beautiful gift they could have given us. So we are. Forever grateful uh, yeah. for that. Yeah. And, uh, you could say that the uh, process, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so that's at least one part of an answer to the question regarding, you know, how to bring uh, different cultures together in, in unison or unity. Yeah, and, and then, quick question. I'm going to add to that. And how long are you? Have you guys been married now? 
11 years? Yeah, it's the 11th year. 2009. Now, right? No, we're going oh, okay. to be 12 in October. Yeah, wow. Halloween will be 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> we got married on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think another aspect, as I mentioned earlier, is the wedding itself. I mean, this basically rituals are super important for humans. And I think even more so when you have to kind of piece together uh, some kind of unity, harmony based on very different yeah, starting points and, and the frameworks of understanding and all of that. I think that was really a key moment for us, bringing all the friends together, you know, to really yeah recognize the, this new uh, unity, basically, this new mm. constellation here. Um, mm-hmm. That was really great. So, you know, we had... Caribbean dancing and Christina's parents came, uh, a few friends as well. I mean, it was a long journey yeah. uh, and not in one of the major holidays. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think I that was like really important. Also, just basically <laughs> celebrating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I can. Well, how was it or how is it being an interracial couple in Denmark? <laughs> that is a question. I guess you first have to. For me, being a black person in Denmark is really the issue. It's not, I mean, if I wasn't here in this couple, it wouldn't be anything for Simon to be here, you know? So I think the challenges that I would have as being a black person in Denmark are here. And they're actually made easier because, you know, people are like, what are you doing in Denmark? Oh, I'm married to a Dane. Oh, okay, that's okay then. You know what I mean? Like, I have permission to be here. So in that respect, it's like... That's how it is. But I think it's more important to hear what it is like for Simon. I don't know if it's more important at all, but I mean, this is not knowledge that I have, but it's a feeling that I have that I've lost friends, uh, basically relationships. And, um, you know, the place we used to live before, that was on my mind because there were a lot of other people, you know, young couples like us or is it like couples in their 30s with kids, our, you know, the age of our kids. And, you know, there was all the great conditions for forging new friendships but it just didn't happen i mean we invited Mm. people over and they came but it was never reciprocated Uh, and that was just weird to me Mm. this feeling that okay well what's going on here but again i mean i don't know for sure that that is what did it because we're also in denmark and people are very uh, socially very um uh, how can I say it? Conservative, yeah, but also just very, the horizon is very limited. It's like, you know, you get your friends, you establish your friendships in your school years, and then maybe on the workplace, and that's more or less it. And then you're set for life. So it's hard to make those new friends, especially as you, you know, come into your 30s and your 40s. Uh, but of course, uh, the, the advent of kids helps, you know, open up doors and, and forge uh, some new friendships. And, and they, it has. And that's been great. And I don't feel that's been a problem. But I do have that other experience that is, you know, something that's been on my mind. And, you know, mm. I haven't really pushed the button and asked people if that has anything to do with it. And I, and I, I feel like know. I wouldn't get a, a very constructive answer. But, right, uh, right. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of we have, we have kids as well. I mean, that's another part of this, our marriage, right? And, and that's it's also something that has given us, you know, opportunities to confront some of the issues that are part of, well, Danish society and culture, namely, basically, uh, diversity, issues of diversity and, and respect and recognition of people who look different uh, than the, the majority. So we have, you know, like stereotypes of black people as uh, cannibals and uncivilized uh, barbarians uh, being, I mean, th- these stereotypes are used in, in the public school by teachers, mm. you know, I have teachers training and we had to confront that. And we had to, you know, listen to a lot of nonsense about, you know, oh, it's just, you know, an image. And doesn't mean basically anything. we had to wrestle them and say, you know, if that was a, you know, a caricature of a homosexual or, or Jew, you would scream. 
uh, you, there was no way that you would put this up there and serve it to the kids as simple entertainment. That's impossible. And this is, right. you know, this is no different. Or how is this different? Yeah. So I think that is also part of, you know, being married and living in an interracial relationship with kids in Denmark. Anno wow. 2021, 2020. So, wow. I mean, it's flabbergasted. With that being said, how has it been different? How has your marriage changed or situations changed with having kids? Mm. Okay. You know, we started having kids quite early <laughs> in the marriage. I mean, I mean, this is just a fast situation. I, I mean, mean, I was it's... I was in my late 30s by then. You know, I didn't have time to wait. <laughs> I was sticking and he was ready for it, which I found out while we were answering those questions that he really wanted to have kids and was ready to have kids. So we moved here and like a year later, yeah, we had decided, okay, it's time. So we spent a year in that kind of, just the two of us in that bubble. And then, yeah, maybe a year and a half, because yeah, almost two years into our marriage, Leo was born. I don't know. I feel like for me, I was so ready for marriage and family life that it wasn't a big surprise. I think becoming a mother, of course, is something really unique and special. But regarding our marriage, I think we were already very open with each other. We had already kind of figured out a way to be together. And the things that we needed to be for each other were already there before we even got married, you know, and it was easy to be with Simon and still is. And it has been the whole time. It's always been easy. So I feel a little bit like, you know, talking about marriage, I feel like when everyone else talks about marriage, they're talking about the ups and the downs and the rough points. And I'm like, did we have any rough parts? <laughs> like maybe I missed it, but we haven't really had any fights or we've disagreed on things, of course. But we, again, in those questions, we talked about how we would deal with each other if we disagreed. What do we need from the other person when we have a disagreement? You know, do you need the other person to push or do you need the other person to step away? You know, so we established that before we had any disagreements and it made us able to handle them when they came along. I don't know if you have the same yeah. feeling. No, I think that's an interesting uh, way to put it. And I agree. I just wanted to add that I think in terms of the kids coming uh, along, Leo especially, I f to me and also for our marriage, I felt like it basically increased the purpose of the two of us being together. Mm. Like, you know, we came together and we welded this or uh, forged this uh, compass, you know, that we could use to navigate. But now with a kid on board, we actually had a ship to, you know, <laughs> a ship and a, and a treasure or, a, you know, cargo to take care of. Yes. Uh, Sorry for the, the materialist uh, <laughs> uh, comparison metaphor here, but but I think that's very much what I feel like. But now, you know, we kind of knew, you know, okay, so we have something important here on board, something that we really have to care for and put all a lot of our energy into to make it work, you know, to, to get to where we want to be mm -hmm. for this, you know, being. So I think in that sense, it was a gift in many ways. Uh, yes, a challenge because, you know, we didn't have the same time to just enjoy each other mm -hmm. and be on that pink cloud or whatever place we were. But I feel that it really added quality to our lives uh, mm -hmm. because it was much more the focus was really increased. And that helped us, you know, identify what brings quality into our life, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of work and education. And because I think we we're very much in a, in a place where we were searching. I mean, Christina had to leave her job in Turkey and come to Denmark and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have any formal education. So she couldn't just, you know, wave around her, her degree certificate or de degree and enter, you know, uh, workplace. So she had to start uh, from scratch uh, in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were still in that. And you went back to university. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. in, in that sense, it, it gave us, you know, more impetus, more 
it pushed us into a direction where we would become uh, who we are today. Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, it was a great uh, gift uh, again, yeah. even though, yeah, there were challenges and, you know, we were there tired. There still are lots of challenges. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. have two kids now. <laughs> and we also had three miscarriages in between. When I think of the ups and downs, not necessarily in our marriage, but in our lives together, that was right. a really hard part, but especially the third one. It was really hard. I lost a baby at 18 weeks. Well, we lost a baby and we went through that together. And, you know, those kind of things can either pull you together or push you apart. And that, I mean, he was just a rock through the whole thing from minute one, you know. So it kind of cemented, once again, my decision was, that was right. (laughs) This was the person I needed to be with. And he's always been that person for me. And then you have Marcus. Yeah, um, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. We actually succeeded. Yeah, and that was, the, I think yeah. that was also crucial. I mean, not a, not that I think we would have broken up or anything mm-hmm. or ended the marriage or anything if, if Marcus hadn't come along. But I think it really gave us that uplifting moment of, mm-hmm. and feeling that you know, okay, uh, we're good now, right? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a. It definitely was a, mm. a seal on that kind of. Yeah, and we're done. I think. Right. Yeah, she is giving birth to a company right now. Yeah, I've started my own business, so that's our new baby. Yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And he's so supportive through all of this. The you know, childbirth and also the company birth. And he's been there for me even when, you know, I've had all my life I've had a lot of doubts about myself and living here in Denmark as a black woman not just black because I have I'm a dark-skinned black woman I'm not my ideal weight <laughs> you know so there's a lot of insecurities that I've had for years and that were compounded in previous relationships and in interactions with people where it was like oh you know if you just lost some weight you'd be more attractive or if you were just whatever and so then Simon comes along and he found me beautiful like for the person I am and somehow managed to. I saw the beauty in you. I think. Oh, <laughs> beautiful! It's not. The, yeah. It's not something I just found. It's there. Ah, I got what you're saying, Simon. He said you you've been beautiful all this time, and yeah. he he saw it. He didn't make you beautiful. He saw right. the beauty that you already had that nobody else saw in you as yeah. he sees it. You know. Yeah, and I think that's very special. But and I think he walks this beautiful line of seeing me for who I am and being proud of that and loving me for who I am, while still supporting me as I work to become who I want to be. And I hope, I really hope that that's what I do for him, mm. because I think that's what makes our marriage what it is: is that we're happy with who we are right now, right here, and we're also happy to support each other to become the thing that we're trying to be. So, cool. Oh. <laughs> Is that a tear, Christine? No, no, somebody's cutting onions in the next <laughs> room, I'm sure. Oh, so I guess this leads us to Emma's one of our last questions. Is marriage for everyone? <laughs> what do you think, sweetie? I don't think so, no. I don't oh. think so. But I mean, maybe that's... Again, my culture speaking, my cultural background, uh, raising its voice uh, in me. Um, when I look into the world and look you know, through my circle of friends, I can see that 
I mean, some of them are still chasing that constant uh, kind of aesthetic, you know, moment. You seduce someone or, you know, I think if you're constantly chasing those highs, uh, I think it's difficult to ever uh, really experience love in the framework of marriage. Um, I think you are, I mean, you might have a beautiful life. It might be interesting and it might be worthwhile for you as a, as a person, but I think uh, marriage takes something completely different. It takes that letting go of all those, I don't know, ephemeral fantasies and basically coming face to face with yourself, you know, through another person, because there is no hiding. You have to reveal yourself uh, when you're married. Otherwise, that marriage will go, you know, it will break apart or you will break apart, I think. So I think if you're not that kind of person that, are, you know, are willing to really do that, basically this uh, unmasking, <laughs> because it's very emotional, very provoking and uh, anxiety inducing. Also, I think this you're basically stepping into this unknown territory on the premise that that someone else, that significant other will, you know, recognize who you are and accept it. <laughs> I mean, that is a bold move. I would say, and Cam, tell me if you agree before you answer, Chrissy, I'm actually surprised at your response. Are you sur- surprised at Simon's response? Only because of how he said the upbringing, as far as the culture and different things like that. So no, I'm not. I'm not. And I'll tell you why I am. It's because, yes, the culture and the upbringing, but based on who you are with today and your view of marriage, I honestly thought your response would have been, yes, everyone should get married. (laughs) (laughs) Is it an option? If we answer the question technically, yes, of course it can be, right? You can grow as a person. You can develop. So in that sense, yes, okay, maybe it is possible, but I think for some people, it's not the right decision. It's not the right thing to do. And I think it's becoming more and more evident, at least in Denmark, you know, we have more and more people, you know, attending any, I mean, swinger clubs, what have we, who want to explore having multiple partners, for example. Mm -hmm. And that is something that, I mean, it doesn't fit into this mold of traditional marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we have forms of relationship surfacing and establishing themselves. I guess that's again on a cultural map, right? So that will look very different in Bermuda, I could imagine, from from Denmark. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I don't know if you even have or spring, if you even have swinger clubs. I don't know. This is not just Bermuda. <laughs> I can say or in Atlanta too. Um, in I'm, Atlanta, I'm, there's. I'm sure there's some little bit of everything, <laughs> and I'm sure there are some in. I know there are there are some in Bermuda. I, anyway, I like that's not the point. Yes, <laughs> yes. I like what he was saying. It, it is an individual choice because you have to choose now not to just focus on self, but also someone else. And, and really, I think that that is the primary goal in marriage of it's no longer just yourself. It's someone else that you're willing to put in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think it adds, I mean, and, and, and the rituals, it adds weight, right? It infuses more significance into this right it's not just you know oh you know we're together and you're nice and blah blah no uh, we've actually promised each other something on the word of god in this case uh, right and i think it changes things for me and yeah it just adds to the feeling of responsibility also i feel like you know i'm not just letting myself down or christina down i'm really there's this you know third part that is this unity that i'm letting down because i actually promised in front of other people and in front of god in this case that i would do this you know that i would do whatever it takes to make it work um, come through, Simon. Come through. Come hey, through. Hey. You may not know what that means, but the people do. I'm telling you, come through, Simon. Come yeah. through. I found myself a good one. I feel very blessed for having him in my life. 
Yeah, because I think a lot of people in Denmark are also like, well, they scoff a little bit at, you know, at this idea that is, oh, it's just this, you know, posh, inflated, uh, you know, artificial, whatever framework that you kind of impose on yourself and people divorce anyway. So, you know, why why all the... It's just a piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It really isn't to me. That's my experience. And I think to me, it really changes things. Thinking about it this way and experiencing it this way, it helps me be a better version of myself. And I think just having that goal to aspire to you know that you want to provide and you want to be there and you want to you know make this unity actually manifest itself is something that can add tremendous positive uh, elements into your life that would be my uh, selling point i guess if if we're in the uh, metaphors of of marketing right now it's called come through simon come through (laughs) i want to go back to even something you said earlier on in the interview when he on that Thursday when you assumed that he was leaving and he mm-hmm. came to you and said, I want to stay. That's been on my mind throughout this whole interview. The fact that he was on this spiritual journey, even on his own, and he stayed and he read. And it was that moment that he realized this is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be with and whatever I have to do. I will do that. And 11, almost 12 years later, mm-hmm. he's still doing that. I know that the audience can't see you guys, but <laughs> we see you guys. And the cookie story and the massage story, there was this smile that both of you guys presented that still has value today in your marriage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Last point maybe that I could add is I also feel that to me it was a transformation in terms of, yeah, like on a philosophical level, just, I mean, one thing is the unity. And that's, of course, the centerpiece, in a sense, that's what you're working towards. So I think that's what you should work towards when you're in a marriage, right? Always having that as your goal, right? How can we make this work? Preserving ourselves, being true to ourselves. And again, that's back to the revealing part, right? That you need to be honest. You need to be true to yourself and present yourself in an authentic way for your life to actually work and for you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and, and you know, see a real person. Um I feel in terms of love also, I feel like up until that point, I've been chasing all these, you know, dreams and fantasies. And yeah, they were nice. And there was, you know, beautiful relationships. And there were, you know, there was great, uh, you know, sex, whatever. But I feel like it really put my mind at ease, you know, knowing that, you know, this is the person I'm going to be with. This is the person who's going to receive all my love and attention and, you know, all the the good energy I put into our love life. This is where it goes, right? I'm not, okay, yes, there are beautiful women and beautiful people out there. And I look at them. Uh, but I know where to put my energy. You know, I know where to come home and basically make things uh, beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it has given me a tremendous peace mm-hmm. on a spiritual and philosophical level. Not having to, you know, think about oh, I could, you know, I could also the fork in the road. I could go down that road. It feels like there's no need to even think about that now. Okay, I see someone who's beautiful. Great. I mean, I hope they have a good, have a good life. You know, yeah. this is who I am. I'm with Chrysia and. You know, she's the other side of me, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also made a change for me. So and something you give that up is... beautiful people for me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad. I'm happy to do that. Uh, and I think that that's something I I thought was never going to happen. I he was a thought... player. Let's talk about a bit of a player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, a little bit of a player. I don't know. Uh, would any of your ex have described you of a bit of a player? I don't think as so. of now. Okay. So. All right. Anyway, that's right. You stand strong. I think that's something that's important to also think about. Like, instead of having to chase all these, you know, as I said, these 
shifting ideas and you know basically live your life with lust and seduction as your compass mm-hmm. i think there's another way that it provides a completely different uh, sense of fulfillment and it sounds weird <laughs> that's really what i experience i'm like i see when i walk out the door because i know where i belong i know who i am As I say, I love that you said seduction as a compass. That is, you know, some people have seduction as a compass. That's really powerful in the sense of how you can look at different relationships without the commitment of seduction being the compass of where you're coming in from. Simon, I'm telling you, you're, you're spitting some stuff. We'll have to have Simon on in June for men's month. Yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. You can present me as the player. <laughs> no, I, what I mean is you are a player. Play, you are a reformed player, yeah. and you've had about 12 years under your belt. You are well into past remission, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. And when I say that you were a player, I think you and you also said it that you didn't realize the effect that you were having on the women in your past mm-hmm. relationships by your behavior. You didn't realize it. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> maybe. All right. No, 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 no. It's uh, yeah. No, you could be right. Usually we ask at the end, you know, what is your happiness, empowerment, development? I don't even know if you need to really answer that question more clearly than Simon has kind of put it together. But if you want to further answer it, you're welcome to do so. But I feel like you touched on each one. To I, yeah, I feel like I don't need to, I don't even need to say anything here. <laughs> I think I just, I mean, when I look out, I see, you know, I see all the relationships and I think, wow, you know, why don't they actually show each other who they are? Why don't they just tell it how it is? I think a lot of people are still, you know, hiding, you know, anything from sexual fantasies to maybe kind of, you know, life goals, you know, actually I would like to, you know, change careers, but I feel I can't because, you know, I'm the breadwinner or whatever. All these things that we just, we think that we can somehow, you know, cover them up or keep them, you know, under our uh, our covers, our shirts, whatever, but we can't. They come out somewhere. They come out. Uh, they come out and, in the and, relationship and as resentment or like anger or yeah. whatever, but it comes out. or, you know, this kind of a bad, uh, yeah, bad conscience, you know, we start piling up all these skeletons that we have to carry around. And it's at some point it just becomes unbearable because there's no way when the weight is so great, this, it becomes even harder to, you know, just open the closet and show, you know, your partner, what do you have in there? Mm-hmm. So I think that would be my number one in terms of empowerment. Just, you know, share what's on your mind. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? Okay, you may be, you may feel ashamed or you may be, you know, you feel that you're presenting yourself in a kind of weak position or whatever. I mean, that's just part of a process. If your partner is really your partner, if that partner mm-hmm. is really, you know, who you should be with, that partner will respond to that in a way that will make you grow or make you learn things uh, about yourself and about the relationship and all these other things. So I think really just being, you know, honest is the virtue that Trump, uh, trumps uh, all of them. Um, the, in a relationship. the virtue and the communication. And I like what you say at also, if your partner is your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, key. There's no guarantee. I mean, you have to have that. You have to take that leap of trust, that leap of faith. Like I said, for me, I knew that he was the person I wanted to spend my life with. There was no question. And I prayed for that certainty, like that certitude. I don't think I would have even considered being with someone that I was kind of on the fence about. Mm-hmm. Like that. It was either all in or not. I was happy living alone. So, (laughs) you know, it had to be better than the happy life that I already had. 
And I knew when I met him and I knew after having conversations with him and spending time with him that this was what I was looking for. Like his full acceptance of me as a human being, not just acceptance, because that's very like neutral, but his love of me as a human being and my love, like I felt I loved him deeply from the very beginning as a Mm. human being, like before it was like in love, it was, I loved him. Mm. I mean, that would be the second advice then that, you know, to keep searching, right? Yeah. Be honest. and Do not settle. I think, you know, I was older than people would expect and I was just not going to settle. I was like, I know what I want. And if it's not this, then I'm not going to bother. I'm not wasting my time. Like I said, I didn't have any relationship more than three months because I had a list. I had a list of characteristics I was looking for in a husband. And if I was in a relationship, I would give myself at the three month point, I would say, okay, let me pull out that list again. Now that I've gotten to know this person. And sorry, but nobody made the grade. I want to say one more thing, because like I said, I had this list of things that I was looking for. And I had years before taken off all the physical characteristics because I was like, this is like too much. I need to narrow down this list. And it was like, forget about what he looks like. These are the qualities I'm looking for. And I liked generally guys who were maybe a couple of inches taller than me, a bit stockier build, muscular. (laughs) And I met Simon and he was just not in like my list of like my type. Because he's (laughs) a foot taller than me, more than a whole foot taller than me. 30 centimeters. Yeah, that's a foot. Yeah. So he's quite a bit taller. He was quite a bit younger. It was just not like physically what my typical type was, but his, him being who he is, was so attractive to me. So I think that when people put attraction first and they're swiping right and left, I don't know what way you've got to swipe, but like looking at people and deciding from what they see, who they're going to be with. And I'm sure he never dreamed of being like when he imagined his dream wife or person to be with, it wasn't someone who looked like me, but I think looking for a person and not looking for an idea of a person definitely definitely like something to do if you're really looking for what you want in life because it can come in any kind of package thank you for being on the podcast we greatly appreciate everything that you guys have given us and um we appreciate you telling us your love story (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you for putting uh, stuff like this out here. I mean, focusing on important topics and, you know, asking people to share. I think it's really a key thing in this, uh, especially these times uh, where people are socially disabled, more or less, right? Uh, I think that's a great uh, move by you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on Giving Head, the podcast. And make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook for more information on this head episode. And as always, subscribe to the show to catch every new head episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you that good head. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.